0: Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Will you welcome Jeffrey and Karen Beth Hakes and Jerry Cook as they come today and they join us this morning. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, all right. Everybody be seated. We're super excited you guys are here. Uh, we're just thankful that we can share for a few minutes today. And so we're just really going to just have some discussion and share because how many of you guys know this has kind of been a weird year? Is that an understatement? Okay, it's been a crazy year. Uh, but, but there's just a lot of things that we can share about and uh, really just continue to ask the Lord to open our eyes because you're gonna discover something as we're talking today. Everybody here is a missionary because Jesus told us all to go and make disciples. And so you're going to hear, though, from them how we're so thankful to partner uh, with these amazing people and what God is doing in them. So so let's start right here really quick. Uh, uh, if you would, just share with everyone your name, uh, where you serve and minister in the world, and just a brief update about what God is doing right now in this season.
1: Yeah, my name is Jerry Cook, and I minister in Malawi, Africa. I minister to widows and orphans and really whoever God puts in my path um, that I'm allowed or able to share the word of God with. And you know, each year that I've been in Malawi, God has um, done something big and you just think, how can he outdo that? <laughs> but every year he outdoes it. You know, in the first couple years we were making disciples. These kids were learning the word of God and they were learning the salvation of Jesus. And they were learning, they, we were seeing their lives transformed from kids that were fighting and stealing to children that are now sharing the word of God. Um, in year four, um, going into year five, you know, they were sharing in their schools. They were sharing in villages. They were sharing with their friends. They were sharing even with some adults and shop owners. And uh, this last year, um, God took the gospel, um, the love of Jesus Christ from these kids back to their own villages. And, you know, we we can't be in every village. So our goal in our heart is that God will allow Um, He will grow these kids into spiritual giants that will take the gospel and the love of Jesus to other people, changing and transforming villages and schools and businesses and all over Malawi. So we now have disciples making disciples. And there was a time I was standing um, outside of our facility, up on this rock mountain, and God clearly spoke to my heart um, that we now have disciples making disciples. Um, But as Paul wrote in Romans, he said, I will make it my ambition to proclaim the gospel, not where it's already been named, lest I build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, those who have not um, heard will see, and those who do not know will understand. You see, God spoke to my heart that there is a place in Malawi that have never heard the gospel. Um, There is people living in a small mud hut somewhere in the middle of Africa, in the middle of Malawi, that don't know the love of Christ. There are children who do not know that they were created in God's image for a purpose and for a plan to proclaim his name and that they are made and not forgotten. Um, So as the year, last December, over the last year, I started seeking the Lord in prayer and through the word of God. And he directed me on several occasions to a small village in the northern part of Malawi um, called Njuyu. And this people group is the Ngoni people, 293,000 people in that people group. They're engaged, but unreached. Less than 2% of the people have heard the name of Jesus. Um, I've been there and my prime focus and heart is to start with widows and orphans. Um, to be able to share the Word of God, to allow God to transform their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word. And God-sized vision, God-sized prayers equal God-sized answers. Um, Big vision, I I want God to start a school that the primary focus is making disciples. Primary focus is that these children would be spiritual giants that would go out and allow themselves to be used in the way God wants them and has created them. And also God-sized vision, we want a clinic. Um, You know, in one of the last villages I was in, in December, there was a lady who I met and I said, how are you? She said, I'm not fine. My child and myself are sick. I asked if you had ever gone to the hospital. She said, "Um, we went to the hospital, but in our hospital, they only let, they only help one person per family per week. So I had to choose between me and my, my child. So I chose my child. I praise God because we are able to proclaim the gospel, but also show the love of Christ by helping her get help. But one day, I believe God will show his love with the people in the Ngoni tribe through a clinic.
0: That's so good. So good, Jerry.
2: We are Jeffrey and Karen Beth Hakes and after 11 years in leadership development and church planting in Africa, the Lord called us back in 2008 to move up into Jerusalem, Israel, where our, our main focus is to volunteer at a house of prayer, 24-7 house of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, the focus has shifted from straight up church planting and leadership development to the fulfillment, really, of the pro- prophecy in Amos 9-11 that in the last days, I'm going to rebuild David's fallen tabernacle. It used to be that in Israel, the focus, night and day, and the central heart of the nation was the worship of God, Hmm. and that is a part of the last days strategy of heaven to change atmosphere, especially in nations where you can't go to do church planting, um, to change the atmosphere through prayer and worship. And so that's what we've been a part of, and are excited to to continue in now. Twelve years later. So.
0: Amen. That's wonderful. (laughs) Share anything.
3: We, our pattern is to, uh, we're based in Israel, so we keep an apartment and a car there, and that's our home, and so we live there for three months, and then for, by grace, the last 12 years, what we've done is, uh, in God's design, is we travel for three months after that, and God sends us into the nations. Um with prayer assignments and, um, and and ministry assignments. We've been highly um, concentrated on the um, greater Assyria area and Israel and Egypt for, at the, at the beginning, the first several years, there was a lot there building up the church, building up the houses of prayer that are in those areas, um, teaching the Hebrew names of God and just um, ministering to the people there and um, just seeing God move a lot that way. Um, he gives us um, intercessory assignments to go um you know, throughout the nations, we've, um, we were sent to the four corners of the earth to intercede out of Ezekiel 37 that um, Israel, that the dry bones would come together to bring the people together and, um, in a, where was that? Alaska, Chile, uh, New Zealand, and uh, Japan. And um, so we call, saw quite a, quite a move of God on that, and a connection to the Aliyah movement. We're connected. We're connected to the Jews being extracted from the nations, coming back into Israel. And we believe the Lord's going to use us. Um, he's been using us. He's going to. We believe He's going to use us even more in that area, in Israel, to receive the refugees. You know, they're kind of like refugees when they come um, to work in that. And um, so just to hear from God and, and to go where he sends us. He gives Jeffrey dreams often, where we should go. We had a series um, of dreams um, and that we responded to and went to Korea, South Korea. And after visiting there um, about four times, um, there's a mission space there now because the way God worked in the times that we ministered, um, where Jeffrey obeyed the Lord and what the dream said and actually decreed what the dream said. And I didn't say this in the first service, but he was supposed to decree something and then blow the shofar. And this was a church of 10,000 people. And the pastor said, sure, you're from Jerusalem. We respect the ministry, respect you, you know, because you're from the ministry. We'll give you five minutes. So he said, that's fine because that's all that I saw in the dream. So I'll, I'll proclaim this and blow the shofar. Well, he blew the shofar and people were healed at the sound of the shofar. So God's voice thunders. I mean, it's a pictures of God's voice. So then what they did was they opened up all the rest of the services and gave us the rest of the services because they could see that God was there. So, praise God. What he was doing, though, that we, now that we look back, is that he was establishing a mission space there. And they have proclaimed, the Lord had told them. It was kind of funny because, Jeffrey, they, they're real hungry for personal word because we carry a lot of prophetic. So, they come forward, we want a word, we want a word. And the fourth time we went there, they gave us a corporate word. And Jeffrey had to be quite bold and say, I have a word for you. It's a corporate word that God gives the country of Turkey to South Korea. So um, they started a mission space, and they're, um, they're all focusing on um, missions in Turkey. Yeah, so that's just the kind of thing we do.
0: That's awesome. That, I, it's just so incredible. Isn't it amazing to can just hear what God is doing around the world together? It's such a beautiful thing. Such a beautiful thing. Um, I want to ask, Jerry, I want to ask you this question, and then I'm coming with you guys for another question. Jerry, Jerry, tell me something, and we all talked about how day-to-day life is so different. Uh, from your perspective, uh, um, how, how do you feel missions has maybe changed or not changed, or just maybe even the heart of what it means to, to be a missionary in this season because of the, the pandemic we've been walking in together?
1: Um, I would say urgency mm-hmm. is number one. Um, although God has given us time of um, prayer and a time of rest and a time of His Word, um, He's made um, me personally realize the urgency. Um, looking in the world here in the United States, I've had the opportunity to just see to see how much it's changed. And um, for me, I I felt as if God showed me that the world is in darkness. The world is in fear. Um, the world is, even believers aren't being urgent to share the word of God. You know, Jesus himself, he said that while I'm in the world, I will be the light of the world. And for me, God spoke, are you being the light of the world? Um, Are you walking in the darkness and are you being different um, because we go out and you go to the grocery store and especially at the beginning of pandemic, people were, um, I mean, they wouldn't even look at you. Um, I tried to talk to people and they wouldn't even talk to me. Like, i and I wore a, my African clothes. I stopped wearing them because people looked at me as if I just got off the plane and they were scared of me. So um, anyways, urgency and to be the light in the darkness. Um, I'll just share a short story. You know, a century ago, there were missionaries that went to the mission field, and they were known as one-way missionaries. These missionaries packed everything up in their caskets, and they went to their lands knowing that they may never return. They said goodbye to everyone and everything that they knew. And there was one particular one who left with his casket, and he was heading to a place in the South Pacific. His name is A.W. Milan. And that missionary um, knew that he was heading to a people group that were headhunters. Everyone that went there before him passed away. But let me tell you, A.W. Milan ministered there 35 years. When he passed away, he they buried him in that village. And on his tombstone, they wrote, When he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. Mm. Yeah. Will we be the light in this dark world? So missions is changed because we need to be the light. Amen. Jesus is the light. And his word says, I will make you a light into the nation that my salvation will be known to the ends of the earth. Will we allow him to make us the light?
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, You know, I think that's so powerful. I, I said this a few weeks ago when we started gathering back together. I believe this is a season of urgency. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can mistake urgency for pressure. And there's a big difference between urgency and pressure. God, God has not tried to uh, let us walk in pressure because God gives us peace. But God will release a spirit of urgency because he knows the end from the beginning. And so we're in this Cairo season as the people of God. And may we hear what Jerry just said. This is a time of urgency. Somebody say urgency. And so urgency shouldn't birth pressure, but it should birth us having a passion to win the loss to everywhere that we go so we can see the kingdom of light advance and the kingdom of darkness be pushed back in Jesus' name. And so that's so beautiful. Uh, Jeffrey and Caribeth. I wanna ask you guys something. Um, what advice would you give to someone that, that senses a call to, to mission work, whether locally or globally? Because your guys' story is so beautiful, how it started. I'd love for you to kind of share that. Um, But what advice would you give to someone that's starting to
2: sense that call right now? I would say the primary thing would be for you to fall deeply in love with Yeshua. Fall deeply in love with the Redeemer. Fall deeply in love with the redemption story. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the deepest possible sense of your own condition in front of Him, without Him, so that the, the beauty and the power of the gospel becomes alive in you. For me, it happened this way, Uh, if I can think back 30-something years to when our church at the time said, hey, it's time for us all to read through the Bible together in a year. Well, at that point, I was very, very, um, I would say the word handicapped by some darkness in my mind. I would read my Bible every day, but if I finished a paragraph, I couldn't even tell you what the paragraph meant. For years, I'd struggled academically in school and academically as a Christian even uh, uh, to try and figure out how to read and have something stick in my mind. But our pastor said, we're all going to read through the Bible. And my dear wife said, Karen, said to me, um, why don't you get it on cassette? You know, y'all had a little Walkman back in the day. So I got the Bible on cassette, began to listen to the Gospels, just the Gospels, Over and over and over and over and they came alive inside of me. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cut into me and removed whatever darkness was there. The result being that after listening through the Gospels three or four times, I could have sat down and read through the book of Revelation and told you all about it. The Gospel set my mind free. So in preparation to be bearers of that and being entrusted with the ministry of reconciling a lost world to God, just embrace the depths of the beauty of the gospel.
3: Yeah, I would, I would, I would give the advice um, not to try to be bigger than you are. Um, I feel like the Lord um, doesn't change his game plan in the sense of, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And so um, just to keep trusting God and doing the next thing. Um, 29 years ago when God called us into missions, I was reading through Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest at the time. I don't know if you know that devotional. It's really good. Um, Oh, there's my phone? Um, got my notes on here, but I guess we're not speaking from notes. Um, and, um, there was that little phrase, he said, trust God and do the next thing. And the Lord put that in my spirit, and I tell you, we've been 29 years, Um, all different kinds of missions that the Lord has led us through. And that is the most practical advice that I think any one of us could have, to keep trusting God, like Jeffrey said, focusing on him and his greatness, the almightiness of God. Just keep your your chin lifted, keep your chin up, you know, trusting God and doing the next thing. You know why? Because we're not big enough to do anything but the next thing. So don't try to be bigger than you are. Just be who you are in God. Just hear his voice and do the next thing. You know, God told me um, as far as an Issachar anointing, as far as the times and seasons were in that um, the pandemic put us, you know, under Passover. He put us on on your mark. He just put us and he showed us um, during that time on your mark where we came face to face with ourselves and says, well, who, you know, who am I? What's going on? Who am I in the world? And it was a time to hear from God. And then um, at uh, Pentecost, it started to be like, oh, you're speaking to me that you want me to do this, and at Pentecost, you're starting to anoint me for it. Like, we have extra time in the Bible, extra time in worship, all this time, and you start to, so I don't know if that resonates from you, but with you, but I think each one of us probably has had things put on our altars of our heart during this time where he came and covered us with his wings, put put something on the altars of our heart and then anointing us for it and then we're coming into a time now where we've gone through the dire straits of the month of Av. The Hebrew month of Av is called the dire straits. You get in a very compressed time like a birth canal. And then in this month, we've just started the month of coming into a spacious place. And in that spacious place, my advice would be um, just as far as an Iskar anointing of what time it is, it's time to take the big step into the big, spacious place of God. We spoke in the first service about getting out of the boat and walking on water, but the Lord's telling me for this service during worship, he told me that uh, for this service, he was showing me the blind man at the side of the road. He was showing me desperate hearts, and I didn't see that for the first service, but I was seeing that in this service, there are some desperate hearts that are saying, God, I need something from you. Jesus, I need you to pass by, and um, he hears you saying, Son of David, have, have mercy on me, and what it takes, though, What it takes is leaving that cloak behind. It takes calling out and leaving that cloak behind, and that's a big cost because a cloak is your identity. He had to leave that blind man's coat behind, not being led by darkness anymore, but like our sister said, following the light of the world. It was never going to be the same for him again. Now that's for somebody here. And I hope it's for everybody. I hope that this has changed us, like our sister was saying. It's never gonna be the same again. And I just wanna add that for Jeffrey and I, I can't tell you how much my heart comes alive listening to our sister. Do you know that the favorite part of my life was being with the people in the dirt, out in the middle of the field with God in Israel? I mean, in, in, in Africa. You know, people say people used to say, you were with Heidi Baker. And every single time I would think, I was with Jesus. Heidi worked in a different place. We were with Iris Ministries, but we were with Jesus. And it's not that we're not with Jesus right now, but my point of what I'm saying right now is, he clearly called us to Israel. He showed up in the middle of a field and started speaking absolutely through dreams, through people, through everything was Israel, and he made absolutely clear that he was calling us on, and he wanted to bring the spirit of adoption into Israel, that took leaving a mantle and taking a big step into a new place. And because we said yes, our ministry has expanded, Jesus' ministry in us, to 22 countries and into a huge prophetic ministry, something, nothing we would ever have imagined 29 years ago. When we said yes to God and took the first step out of the boat. So there's something in this service for someone here about taking that scary, scary big step of leaving a mantle behind and taking on something new.
0: Amen, amen. You know, I, I did say this first service, and I want to remind everybody here, how many of you guys know that your yes um, has a lot of divine purpose attached to it? Mm-hmm. Your yes to the Lord, It matters. Because understand, your yes doesn't just affect you, but it impacts the people that God has called you to. Just like you heard from them, their yes has led them to places they never thought it would go. I've shared with my story, my yes uh, a little over four years ago to leave South Carolina and come to Cincinnati, scared to death of what was going to happen, it affects not just you, but it affects the people that God has called you to. And so that's why hearing, hearing these stories and hearing people share, uh, understanding your yes, whoever the Lord has called you to, wherever God has called you to, your yes to the Lord matters. If you believe that, somebody say amen. amen. Your yes to the Lord matters so much. I, uh, now, uh, Alan and Andrew, I want to ask you guys something, because you guys actually have pretty extensive missionary backgrounds yourselves. Uh, and Andrew, every time you talk, we can tell you're not from here originally. We know that. Um, but but I, you guys, Andrew. Now and I, I want to ask you guys something. Um, share why missions is so important, and really how God led you to be uh, someone who is a missionary, but also walks in that mantle of continuing to to uh, champion missions wherever you go.
4: Amen. <clears throat> There's one thing that the Lord has shown me over the years: allow Him to speak to you and step into obedience, and do it while you're young. That's young in years, young in the faith. See, Jesus chose newbies to go change the world. He didn't choose the establishment because they're already set in their ways. And so often it's the little foxes that steal the grapes. And that's the little decisions we make every day. You just mentioned, uh, Derek, about pressure versus um, urgency. Pressure is inward looking, it's selfish. Urgency says, I need to make a difference, I need to make a change, I need to go. Somebody once said that the, best, the devil's best chloroform is to put things off till tomorrow. And that's true. And so God speaks to each one of us in different ways at different times. But the point is we need to stand up and say, yes, Lord, thy servant heareth. And it's just like with young Samuel, he had to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord, but then to step into what God was calling him into. And for me, that was relatively young. At 15, I had a real encounter with God. I said, Lord, I don't want the status quo. I'm ready for whatever you have for me, and I'm going to step into it. Um, And in those days, of course, Papua New Guinea was very high on the mission mission, uh, reporting, I guess you'd call it. And we had a lot of missionaries come through that had had... A lot of experience in Papua New Guinea, some good, some bad. There was death, there was sickness, and everything else. And I remember saying to the Lord, I'll go anywhere for you. I will do anything. And I'm sitting in the church pew just surrendering with a little attachment to that that said, but don't ever send me to Papua New Guinea. And so guess where I ended up for 26 months? I ended up in Papua New Guinea. God has a sense of humor, but He takes us at our word. And, you know, there I was, not quite 19 years old, and and I grew up in a middle-class white family, had the beach in my back door, and was living the dream, so to speak. And 24 hours later, I'm sitting at 5,500 feet altitude in the middle of a jungle, thatched huts, and little brown people with white eyes looking at me everywhere. And suddenly realize, man, you're not in Kansas anymore, that's for sure. And so through that step of obedience... And Yeah, it wasn't easy, but I came into the things of the Holy Spirit. I experienced healing. I got malaria twice. I couldn't get my weight over about 159 pounds, which I guess wasn't a bad thing, but there's, there's trials and tribulations. But through that, I got into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God began to make changes in my life by drawing me aside, and we saw many come into the kingdom of God. And then coming forward, I remember growing up, and I remember the city that I grew up in. I was so contented to the point that I said to God, I never want to travel overseas. I have no desire to go outside of my beautiful country. Everything is here that I would ever want. Well, 12 countries later, God once again stretched me, took me to many nations where we've shared the gospel and been able to preach and teach. None of that would have happened if I first didn't say yes, Lord, whatever your word says, whatever your will is, I want to step in it. Don't sit there as a believer and make excuses. Don't disqualify yourself from service by putting conditions on God so that it does not allow Him to move in your life. Amen? Amen. So praise the Lord. Thank you.
5: I was just telling the brother after the first service, we we could spend the whole afternoon and talk about the supernatural things God's done in our ministries um, after he saved me baptized me in Holy Ghost I started doing street ministry on the streets here in Cincinnati all over with a huge food ministry I had I was going four days a week all over Kentucky all over Claremont County and then I uh, started having encounters with the Lord and he started he started sending me to Mexico and I had a big van like we have out there and I had it stripped just had the two seats, and i fill it with stuff, supplies. i probably taken over 250,000 Salvation Tracks, Bibles, and, and it's a feat to get through the border because with the M16s and the dogs, and when I first started, I didn't know the language at all, and I worked with the missionary. It was on the border, and I would meet there. And we, we would drive 26 hours straight through to get there, and, and we would go into Mexico. He had, at that time, 28 churches under his, his belt, he took me all over the place. Uh, Taking, I know this particular time I went in and the Lord told me, I want you to preach on the Great Commission. I preached on the Great Commission. The power of God fell. I talked about 100 degrees weather. It was 100 degrees in there. The sweat was, I couldn't even see. The sweat was burning my eyeballs. I had every person, prayed over every person in that church. Revival broke out in that church. They, it, went, it went for about a month. Every, every day they were out, witnessing with these tracks that I brought with them, and he was out. He just, see, that's what that's the impact. It's a passion. It's a passion to lead Je- people to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you really are born again, you should have you should you have His heart. That's His heartbeat. The heartbeat of God is souls, souls, souls. Look at yourself. Who who? Someone told you about Jesus, and it's supposed to be. And you said something, sister. The Lord gave me a vision about dominoes. It is like a dominoes effect. You leave one to the Lord. You disciple them. They lead a person to the Lord. It just keeps going. That's the way the Lord meant it to be. It's not, it's not meant just for the five-fold ministry. We have this ministry of reconciliation, folks. If you're born again, you have that. You have that. We are. We should be looking for opportunities that the Holy Ghost is opening up for you and I. To share him. You can lead him. How do you lead my Lord? It's, Rome, it's due to Romans Road. Romans 10.9. If thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus, and believe in the heart that God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart is made unto righteousness, with the mouth is made unto salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We've got to get the word in here, not up here. The Lord has been speaking to me lately. We've got to eat this word. Don't go don't try to just take one verse and eat that word. Just start eating it. Just keep saying it. Let it get inside your spirit and what happens it comes alive. He said my word is not flesh but it is spirit. That's what he wants to do in and through us. And that's what they're experiencing. This has been a, it's I'm excited. I'm excited for what we're about ready to walk into. God has been is preparing us for the harvest god wants a billion souls folks i've heard from the king he wants a billion souls and we get to be part of those billion souls and like this these folks here Amen.
2: something you were saying reminded me of what i was saying yesterday to a friend who's an evangelist and i said to him i know the concept biblically is supportable the word saved is actually a part of scripture. We are saved and he is our savior. Yes. But if I only focus on using that word as opposed to inviting people to a place where I can tell they're deeply in love with God, yes. this is a different thing. Yes. I, I'll never forget when, when I believe it was the voice of God who came to me and said, you may be a, you may be a Christian, but you're not a believer. It a profound moment in my life and a shift where I began to really fall deeply, intimately in love with God and not so worried about whether or not I was saved. Do you know what I'm saying? And so this is a part of what we're, we are carrying this fragrance of life. How do you start to become a missionary? You fall deeply in love with this beautiful God of ours, so.
0: Oh, that's so good. So good. Can I say something? Absolutely, yeah. I
1: would definitely agree with that because uh, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you want others to have it. That's
4: yeah. Right.
1: And you know, you think we all believe that Jesus will come back, and as the world gets darker, we believe it's coming sooner. But think about the day before you knew Jesus was King. Do you want your your mothers, your fathers, your cousins, your sisters, your brothers, your neighbors? The stranger at the the gas station or the stranger at the, you know, the grocery store. What if they don't know? Do you want Jesus to come back today? Think about the day that you didn't know. So falling more in love with Jesus, knowing that that person that you're looking at that is cashing you out Mm -hmm. is created in God's image for his purpose, for his glory, and they don't know it.
4: Mm -hmm. That's
0: right. That's right. That's so good. So good. I, I think that's really like our series we're starting next week, Made to Make, us talking about that. Understanding that, yes, we should uh, love Jesus. How many of you guys know we should love the Lord? But there is also a, a process and, and transformation that says, not only do I love Jesus, but I want to live for Jesus understanding that that transformation and process. And it's so beautiful. I love how you guys put that. Let me ask, uh, Jerry, you and the Hakes both, I want you guys to do this. I want you to share a story. I know you have a lot. But share a story of someone's life that's been impacted uh, outside of yours because your lives have been tremendously impacted by what God has done. But share a story about how your ministries and things you have done uh, has, has ministered or just changed someone else's life.
1: Um, I will share the this, this same story I shared in the first service because, um, you know, you ask God, how are you going to do better than that? But I'm sure I'll be sitting here next year with a story that I'll do is the one I just tell you. Um, but I was in the northern part of Malawi. I was nervous. I was um, going to that area that was engaged but unreached. And uh, we were able to share the love of Christ and proclaim the word of God with orphans and widows. And uh, on the first day we worked with the orphans, I had this, uh, there was about 65 orphans that came. And there was one little boy that was etched in my mind and etched in my heart, his name was Chifundo. Chifundo means mercy. And Chifundo could not talk, he could not walk. He was carried in on his grandmother's back. And um, he was a double parent orphan. He had no mother, no father. The father committed suicide. The mother had left. He was living with his grandmother and his grandfather. And after we were finished, um, we received his information after we were finished, I couldn't stop thinking about that little boy. So I just told the uh, my friend that I was working with, I said, I can't stop thinking about Chifundo. And he says, well, we can go visit him. So we went to his village. And um, as I told him when he was there, that he is created in God's image. He's created... Um, For God's purpose, he is called by name. And before he was in his mother's womb, God gave him a name. So I went to his village and I was able to talk with Chifundo. And um, I told him before I was leaving, we gave him some items. We fed him physically, shared the word of God with him. But before I left, I said, hey, Chifundo, don't forget God loves you. And with a blank look and definitely not a smile, he just looked at me and when i left there my heart was broken because i said here this little boy has no mother and no father and he doesn't know the love of christ so in september i went back my mother had um and father had raised money for a wheelchair and we were planning on going to take the wheelchair to this little boy we went to his village and when we came um, he was walking up the path as an infant would like a new newly walking child and um, I looked at my friend and I said, why is he alone? You know, we've shared with him that he's not alone, that he's not forgotten. And I said, and I know that, but why is he all alone? He's filthy dirty he's, and he's alone. And he said, I don't know. We'll find out. And he comes up and we give him that um, wheelchair. And for the first time we heard Chifundo talk, he said, my car. He called that wheelchair his car. And if that wasn't enough, he the pastor was pushing him around, and he said, Hey, you, let's go. Like he was the boss of that pastor. So just to, by giving him that, he was able to have a little bit of confidence, and he began speaking. Um, what I didn't say is the first time I was there, we prayed over him, that God would give him mercy and show him the love of Jesus. And so this time when I was leaving, I said, Hey, Chifundo, don't forget Jesus loves you. And this time, Chifundo gave me a smile and I said, praise God, he's starting to know the love of Jesus. In December, we went back to see that little boy because of course he's on my heart. And when I saw Chifundo, Chifundo is now walking. He's smiling. His face is no longer looking like he had a stroke. He's feeding himself, which he could not do before. He is talking. Chifundo knows the love of Jesus. He's washing his hands. But let me tell you, before he was leaving, he was speaking to Mbuka. I have no idea what he was talking about. He was pointing to my car. And I, I assumed, he because he said, Gallimoto, he was talking about the car. I said, yes, we got a new car. And he looked at me like he was getting ready to leave. And I said, hey, Chifundo, don't forget Jesus loves you. And this time, he says, uh-huh. And he took off running. Running away. Praise God for his grace. Praise God for his mercy. Praise God for him hearing our prayers. He heard us pray for that little boy. And praise God that Chifundo, although he lives in a small village in Malawi, he is not forgotten. He is not alone. He is called by name, created for a purpose. And I'll tell you, Chifundo will have a story to tell one day.
0: Amen. 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 That's awesome. Go ahead, guys. Cheers, sir.
2: This particular message is not being recorded, is that correct? It is is being... Okay. Makes a difference on which story I'll tell, so I'll go back to a different country um, and tell the story I told this morning. Um, A few weeks ago, in the beginning of June, actually, I received an email from a friend I will call Joe and Sally. Joe and Sally were writing to ask for advice on how to disciple 21 new believers. They had been a part of the discipleship of an 11 year old and baptized her and the day after she was baptized, she was hit by a car and killed. And they were a part of overseeing her funeral. And in that that particular girl's family, 21 family members came to the Lord at the funeral and then were baptized profound and beautiful. The way that Jesus can enter into a a time of crisis and turn it into something good, right? What the devil meant for harm, God used for good. But the story is deeper than that for us, the beauty of it at least, because it goes back three years to when Joe came to me and, and my wife and I were able to help him over the course of the next couple of years in counseling with his addictions. And then in counseling them as a couple, as they became engaged and pursued whether or not Joe could really walk in freedom and become a husband and a father and now a pastor. So this is who our Jesus is. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He hangs out with the, the people, the scandalous people he hangs out with until he can prove to them his power over darkness and make a public display of his enemies and shame them by overcoming through the cross. So, it is a delight to share that story about Joe and Sally, who now are discipling 21 new people in the kingdom.
3: Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Um, the story that comes to mind um, is, is uh, when we lived in the middle of the, of the field in um, Mozambique. I wanted to share a story from there. Um, you know, Jesus is a friend of sinners. Um, he's just a friend and we're all sinners. You know, and um, I heard this morning the song, um, I heard the Spirit singing um, Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, you're a friend forever, oh Jesus. We see you, Jesus, we see you, Jesus, being a friend forever. You know, the Lord said, as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me, and we are all the least of these. We're the family of humanity, and you know, loving anyone is a privilege. Just loving each other is a privilege, isn't it? Isn't it a privilege just to love? And uh, so we uh, were called, you know, we just heard the Lord and obeyed. And so then we ended up in a couple of different places. And we were in the bush, and we took um, these 18 boys to help graduate them into society and and bring forth their spiritual gifts. And one of our boys um, brought this other guy from another village. And he's like, please, can he live with us too? Please, he doesn't have any opportunity, and he, you know, he needed you know, a family too, and we took him in, um, Admiro, and, um, so we said yes to Admiro, and he came in, and, um, you know, sometimes the Lord calls us just to make a difference, just to be a connector, just to lay down your life. I remember in, in, in the Bush Church, I used to bring a, um, a, we had a, we just, I had a, I had Jeffrey just get two pieces of wood and make a cross, and we just put it in our hut, and then when it was time for church, we literally carried out to church, and we put rocks, and we put boards, and the people came, and we just had that cross, and we carried it back and forth. And one day in church, God had me lay that cross down, just lay it down on the ground. And, um, and it's because our boys were being a little bit naughty. <laughs> and so in front of them and the village, I laid myself down on that cross. And I told them, you know, I'm nothing. I obeyed Jesus to come here to love you. And you can walk on me. I'm laying my, I'm here for you. You can walk on me. I'm trying to get you from here to there. The Lord sent me to help you to get from here to there. But you have to make the choice. You have to make the choice to walk. And sometimes the Lord uses us in a very sacrificial way to be that connection. And for Admiro, guess what he wanted to be? He wanted to be a lawyer. He saw children raped in the streets. I mean, these boys lived in the streets. Do you know that street children are awake at night and sleep during the day? Do you know during the day you step over children in the street sleeping? In a lot of places. And you know why they're sleeping? Because at night they're running. And he had seen children and his brothers and sisters abused, and he knew what that life was like, and he wanted to do child advocacy. And so because the Lord was faithful, because the Lord was faithful and gave us the grace that we needed to say yes and to obey him and to keep obeying him and to keep hearing him and to keep saying yes, we end up in the middle of a field in Africa, and we, the Lord gives us the connections like to lovely people like you who are able to pay for his education. And even our son became a lawyer our son grew up in Africa. He became a lawyer. Our son gave towards his education. And um, he's a lawyer in Mozambique today. Admiro is. And he um, advocates for children. He advocates children's rights in uh, in Mozambique. So that's that's just a beautiful thing.
0: Amen. Church, uh, isn't that amazing what the Lord is doing? Aren't we thankful that we get a chance to be a part of it? you.